Wow, what a difference. The Talkbuster Podcast. Hi, I'm Chris Chipman. You may remember me from such podcasts as the Chipman Brothers Tangent and Creating Geeks, a parenting podcast of great responsibility. I'm here to bring you back to the late 90s, early 2000s, a time of AMRAs and clamshells, a time of late fees and VHS tapes being replaced by DVDs, a time of stale gumballs and overpriced candy. Yes, that's right. I am talking about the time of blockbuster video, the Walmart of the video rental industry, the mom and pop video store killer, the corporate big choice video store that everybody loved to hate. Blockbuster is mostly gone now. Kids today will never know the crazy Friday and Saturday nights with lines wrapped around the store to rent the next big movie. No more will regulars who are in the know arrive at 10 a.m. on Tuesdays to snatch up the new rentals that week before the weekend rush. Most of all, no longer will young movie geeks like myself have the memories I, and many others like me, made while working there. You see, under all of the corporate evil and bad practices, Blockbuster was a home, a comfort, a place where I made lifelong friends and even met my wife. It is because of these memories that I, and I'm sure many of you, have that the Talkbuster podcast was created, a place for me and others to share our memories of what once was, of the before time, of the long, long ago. I'm looking forward to see where this goes, how it evolves. Join me, won't you? Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Talkbuster podcast. As always, I'm your host, The Chippa. That's Chris Chipman. Um, you can find my other shows, uh, the Chipman brothers tangent shooting the shit with Chippa and the creating geeks podcast as well under the Chippa made this handle. You can find them on Libsyn, Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, and a bunch of other stuff. I'm sure because they just keep pimping me out more and more and more. Um, really quick, want to do a little bit of housekeeping and thank my $15 or more patrons, Mason, Christopher Finnick, my mother, Patricia Chipman, and Hugh K. Campbell Jr. Hugh Campbell goes by Green Goblin on Twitter, and he was also a guest on one of the earlier episodes of the Talkbuster podcast. I would also like to thank a brand new patron as of yesterday or today. Um, I'm recording this on the 26th of June, just to let people know a new $5 patron, Mark Gadosh. So I haven't had a new patron in a little while. So that's awesome. Thanks. Welcome, buddy. Hope you enjoy. Um, and tonight's podcast, as a lot of them have been, are brought to you by the Geeks with Shields podcast, your place for all things good and nerdy in this, the darkest timeline. I am back, well, for the first time on the Talkbuster podcast with a guest who was recently on Shooting the Shit with Chippa. So I'd like to welcome back Keiru Nagisa. Hey, how's it going, Chippa? Good. And did I pronounce your name properly this time? Karu. Karu. I really apologize. I think That's Debbie. Okay. I think Debbie mispronounced your name two or three times talking to me about you too, which I thought Very, was funny. Very possibly, yes. I, I am really sorry. Karu. Okay. And is it Nagisa? Yes. I'm sorry. I, I really apologize. Don't so worry. um uh, um tell the world on the Talkbuster podcast in case they didn't listen to shooting the shit a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, I am a geek of many stripes, primarily a comic guy, but I also love, uh, I also love movies, which is one of the reasons why I worked at Blockbuster when I was a teenager. And I think so many of us did. Um, I'm also a fencer and a reenactor and I do all sorts of cool geeky things. That's awesome. Fencer. How long have you been doing that? Eight years now. Uh, in fact, I... I kind of skipped fencing practice tonight, but normally Wednesdays is uh, fencing practice night. That's awesome. And you said a reenactor? 
Yeah, um, the fencing is part of that. Um, I'm part of a group called the Society for Creative Anachronism. Basically, we try to replicate as close as possible how they did things from 600 to 1600. Basically, we're all history geeks. We try to study the time period, find you know primary sources and extant examples of things, and replicate them to the best of our ability. So when I do fencing, I do historical fencing. So we have you know actual swords that they would have used in the you know 1500s. Uh, just we tip them and they're uh, blunt on the sides, but otherwise real rapiers. That's fascinating. Are, are there photos or videos of the, your particular group or? Tons of them, absolutely. I'll I'll happily send you some. <laughs> Please do, and I'll and I'll link them in this. That's that's fascinating. I, uh, it, it's it's taking like a, I wouldn't even call it. it it's it's kind of like the the alt version of you know what LARPing tries to do, but real world kind of thing. And I, you know, I know there's people around here, you know, that do a lot of the pioneer time and uh, yeah. Revolutionary War reenacting. But yours is a particular brand of interesting that I. Oh, yeah. Haven't heard too many people around here that do that, so that's oh, really tons cool. of them do. You are in the kingdom of the East. There, it's one of the larger by population kingdoms. It's a worldwide organization. Well, this is fantastic. Yeah, check out uh, sca.org and you type in your uh, zip code and it'll bring you to your local group. It's a family organization, so you can bring the kids and your the wife along if they're interested. It's really nifty stuff. You know, I think I, now that you've said the name. And I had a minute to calibrate. I think I ran into these people at, yeah, definitely at Aresia, the Boston um, sci-fi fantasy horror convention. Probably, they were, yeah. They were definitely there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they were definitely there because they, they, they were getting ready to put on a uh, a um, demonstration. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay, cool. No, but please, yes, yeah, send away and I'll go into that. So, um just as we did on shooting the shit and just as become a normal thing before we get into the uh, talking about blockbuster and all things great and nerdy from that time in the before time in the long, long ago, as I call it. Um, let's uh, start out with a little bit of right quote, wrong movie. Are yes. you ready with, are you ready with your quotes? Good, sir. I am so ready for this. Cool. I, I love this game so much. It's so much fun. And, you know what? I don't care if the listeners are sick of it. You guys get to listen to us play, and I don't care. <laughs> Who could right. be sick of this? I know. I don't think anyone would. I'm just self-deprecating because I had a rough day at work. Oh. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> it's okay. I'm here now. All right. Number between 3 and 145. Good, sir. Uh, let's go with 91. 91 is Dirty Dancing. Dirty dancing. Ooh. Nobody puts baby in the corner. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, coat hanger abortions for everyone. That movie's <laughs> dark. It is. <laughs> well, I, I didn't realize how dark it was when I was, you know, a stupid teenager making fun of it, having never really watched it. And now as an adult, I'm like, wow. Not yeah, what dude. I expected out of this film. It's it's absolutely insane. All right, so Go for it. Hmm. Uh, let's see here. Let's go with... Well, I got her number. How do you like them apples? <laughs> um, in, the in the quiet words of the Virgin Mary, come again? Snatch. 
<laughs> Those are both really good. <laughs> they are, yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna go with. I'm, I'm sorry, I gotta go with mine on that one. I just yeah, that's, I, I'm, I'm, I I'm on the. Fa- no, yours is great. All right, cool. Then round one, Takaru. Round two, pick a number three to one hundred and forty-five. Fifty-eight. Fifty-eight. Pulp Fiction. Ooh. What the fuck is this shit? Who the fuck are you, lady? Why the fuck did you hug my head? From Dogma. (laughs) I'm going to go with this shit will make you a sexual tyrannosaurus, just like me. The Predator. Yeah. Yeah, no, you got that one. <laughs> that, that's absolutely correct. That is absolutely correct. In fact, you know what? From now on, that is from Pulp Fiction. Yes. <laughs> so let it be written. So let it be done. Yeah, that that was that was somewhere in the um, in the uh, dialogue at the beginning. <laughs> that opening dialogue is in there someplace. I bet Jules said it. I, I I'm pretty sure he did. All right, round three, tied up. All right, let's go with 70. Ooh. Splash. Splash. The Tom Hanks fucks a mermaid movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. If I become human, I'll never be with my father or sisters again. From The Little Mermaid. I have nothing <laughs> that can beat that one, but I'm going <laughs> to... But I'm going to go with the chick frosted me like a fucking cake. Zach and Miri make a porno. (laughs) (laughs) But you win, sir. Thank you. Cheers to you. Yay. God, I love that. God, I love that this game so much. Same. Oh, it's great. It's seriously, when we played it at that patron hangout on Thursday, people were crying. They were laughing so hard. And it, it, it's it's exactly what I intended. I just didn't think anyone else would like it as much as me. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see. Maybe this maybe this will be my uh, my ticket to stardom. <laughs> there we go. Become a become a game mogul. Oh God, yeah, that sounds like fun. Yeah, see if you can get Will Wheaton to play it. Ooh. I could get him to record the how-to instructions like he did for Secret Hitler. Yeah, there you go. Secret Hitler is so much fun. Have you played that? Uh, my my friend uh, Jake, he has a version from like the eighties. Oh, it's it is a really like it's an old version. Everything is really well made, like good wood sex, good wood sets, and stuff like that. It's a great game. It is, yeah. Oh, I had so much fun with that one. Yeah, it's a fantastic game. My other friends um tim and corinne who run cinema inspection they have assassin have you ever heard of assassin i have not heard of assassin no what's that assassin it's basically on a monopoly board and it's played very similar to monopoly you're going around and landing in parts of the world but what you do is you have assets in your hand like money and drugs and gold it's very very politically incorrect because it was made in like the 70s. Right. And you are basically attempting to hire assassins to help you kill the other players. 
but you have to like your cards in your hand and a randomly drawn other card for like a weapon need to like line up and you have to have money to buy a B or C grade assassins. And huh. depending, it's dude, like <laughs> the, the, the game board has a swastika on it. That's like the level of, and that's like, wow. the least, that's like the least bad thing in it. Um, <laughs> but, look, <laughs> but, but, but look it up. Um, it's a really fun game to play, but not the kind of thing you want, like someone stumbling ar- around you having in your house. <laughs> you, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> Seriously, yeah. But, so he just walk walks in and finds your Nazi Ouija board, and it's like, exactly. what the heck? Exactly. And let, let's just say that the Middle East cities or or countries are, um, yeah. You, you, I'd say if we weren't living in the political climate we were living in right now. Like, if you looked at this game five years ago, you'd be a little bit more surprised than you would be now. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah. Yep. Guy in a turban riding on a magic carpet with an AK-47. You know, Uh, that that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's bad. It's really bad. But but it's a lot of fun to play. Cool. (laughs) So so there's that. So, anyway, um, welcome to the Talkbuster podcast. Um, Let's... uh, let, let's let's go through the motions. What um where where are you? I know we did this on shooting the ship. We'll do it again here. Where are you from? And what was your experience growing up with video stores? Um, let's see here. I am currently in Orlando, but I am originally from. I grew up in Coral Springs, Florida. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and my experience with video stores, uh, they were just a staple in my life kind of as far back as I can remember. Um, we used to go to the local Blockbuster when they still had a Betamax, Betamax section in the back. Nice. Yeah, for all for all the Betamax players out there. Um, my, and... my parents had a Betamax player, and we went away for a two-week vacation in New Hampshire and came back and someone had broken into the house, and all they stole was the Betamax player. And my dad was, and this was after Betamax had fallen out of favor. And my dad was like, eh, so nothing got taken. Oh. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, uh, the first movie I remember us renting was Back to the Future. And nice. it had a tracking problem, so we had to bring it back and get another copy. Uh, let's see here. Does anyone, by, by the way, yeah. a statement that you just made, I don't think we've talked about tracking problems on this podcast yet oh really do you want to describe to the i'd say anyone born after 1992 listening to this that might not know what a tracking problem is sure all right so um a vhs tape had a roll of film in it sort of like a camera you know with all the little um all the little frames on it and vhs players Sometimes they wouldn't be calibrated right, so you would essentially see the middle of a frame, or you would be in between two frames at the same time, and as a result, you would get these weird lines going across it, and the uh, what's it and the picture would just keep moving up and down, trying to kind of calibrate properly. And some ta- sometimes it was the VCR, and you had to actually like play with the tracking button because that was a thing. 
And sometimes yes, it, was. it was just a problem with the tape, and I don't know what caused it, but there was a pro- there would be a problem with the tape, and you would just get these weird lines, and basically you would be seeing different parts of the frame, or the frame would be, like, the bottom half of it would be off-center from the top half. It was a mess. After a while, um, near the end of life, VHS players auto-tracked. Yep. That, that was fascinating. It had the little line that would go back and forth in the bottom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it, it's... I don't think there's too many, you know, and, and then you have your old, you know, cathode ray 2 TVs where you have to buy the RF adapter to hook up your new DVD player or video game system because it doesn't hook up the way your old VCR did. Yep, exactly. I had to learn all over again how to do them. That was pretty fun. I, I saw a thing earlier. Someone was attempting to hook an old VCR they had found up to an HDMI TV. And so they like made this rig that they'll sell you the parts for to like take an old RF adapter and rig it up to work with an HDMI adapter. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, the world has gone full circle. <laughs> oh, man. Sorry, I'm I didn't mean to, to interrupt no, you. Might there. as well try to get a Laserdisc player hooked up at that point. Right? <laughs> that's the other thing you know people when dvds first came out people were like where are they getting all these special features it's like they were all on the laser discs yeah yeah oh i remember i remember um my school had a, a laser disc player just one it was in the library and classrooms could rent it and they had i'd say a dozen laser discs for it so most of them were just you know purely educational stuff and that's what they would i think they had like one movie and i can't remember what it is right now but yeah it was weird it was a weird time laser discs are strange awesome so you were saying yeah sorry you were talking about betamax and tracking problems yeah back to the future yeah but uh yeah um uh, renting movies was just a part of what my family and i did it was you know on weekends we would go and wait in that enormous line to get a movie of some sort um it used to be we used to do mostly favorites and then it became new releases but you know i remember getting the fly when uh i think i was probably four years old and my father may have rented it and terrified the hell out of the scene where uh, he rips the dude's arm off yep terrified the hell out of me as a kid i couldn't watch it anymore um i remember renting bill and ted's excellent adventure with my dad um, and I still remember uh, the um, trailer at the beginning was Winter People with Kelly McGillis. Uh, wow. Yeah. And there was an ad uh, for a contest uh, that Vision Sports did uh, where you could win a skateboard from them. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, and then basically fast forward through my life. I was a teenager and I want it was time for me to get a job and first thing I thought of was Blockbuster. And I remember also the interview that they gave me and said, it was basically an example, you know, what if this type of person came in and wanted a movie? And I, they liked the fact that I was able to say, well, I would probably recommend this or that or the next thing, because I'd watched so many movies already growing up. So, and I eventually got the job. I was off and on there for about three years. I went to college in the kind of interim, but I would come home for the summers and work there. Um, I ended up getting my best friend a job there because he came to hang out with me and started running tapes, so they decided to finally just pay him to do it. Yes. So we, we hired so many people that way. Yeah. 
yeah, he just came to hang out, and I was running tapes, and so he would just start running with me, and finally they were like, hey, do you just want a job? So he said yes, and we ended up working there together. That's actually how I ended up with, with my job. Um, so I had just gotten my car. I was 16 and a half, so I had my learner's permit, and I had just gotten my car. And so the first thing that I did was, you know, what am I going to do? Well, the Blockbuster on Highland Avenue in Salem was, you know, 15 minutes away from my house. And that's where my brother Bob works. So I'll drive up and, you know, go see them. I know all the people he works with. And so I'd start going there. You know, I'd get out of school at like 2.30 in the afternoon and get in my car and drive to Blockbuster and wouldn't come home till like 9 at night. Because mm-hmm. I'd just be there talking to all the, you know, helping them run tapes. They'd, you know... um, close the store at midnight on a Friday and then at one in the morning when they were, you know, done putting all the money away and everything would go to the local Denny's or go to the 1am dollar cinema. And so I just go and hang out with them. So this, these ended up becoming my friends. So, you know, I it made, made a lot of sense, get out of school for the summer and got a job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was perfect. <laughs> exactly. It's, I, I feel like that was kind of part of the magic of Blockbuster, at least from working there, was that, you know, it really was a bunch of people who, in a lot of cases, were people who spent their time there anyway and spent their time hanging out there and then were given jobs to work there and get paid for it. Right. So, and, and I had made a point, they, even if the company didn't, realize it and again i i know that you know there were there were movie fans and very geeky people all the way up through you know district leaders and higher management within the company for sure but you know what i don't think they fully understood is the demographic that they were really like the the renter was you know two people there was your impulse buyer, the type of people they try to get to show up to any movie in a movie theater, right? They just want to come and rent the new movie because it's popular. But then you had the specialty store type of geeks, the type of people that Electronics Boutique and GameStop at a time were catering to the, no, we have the weirder stuff. We have the more obscure stuff. We have guys that are going to recommend five or six other things like this thing that you're coming in for. It's more like going to like a comic shop. You know what I mean? Than it is going to like a place to rent the new Michael Bay movie, you know? And um, it was cool that there were both those type of customers, but also both those type of employees, you know? And so you had that great mix and it was weird for a corporate entity to be so niche store to store where it's like, no, there are people that are waking up every day and going, no, I want to go see that guy that works at the blockbuster during the day, during the week, because he's going to tell me what I need to know about this new thing. It was like having your own, your own personal, like almost like shoppers, like telling you, you know, what's new, what's coming out. And you had your friends and you could go, it was like being around like the water cooler at work all the time. Exactly. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and I don't I don't think they realized that was really what they had going for them. Like, you know, y- yeah, we had the lines. I-, I was talking to Matt Lynch. You'll find an episode of these when when you get through them. Um, he works for Scarecrow Video. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've heard of Scarecrow or if I talked about it on the episode I did with you. But I have they, not. They have 140,000 physical copies of movies from Betamax to Laserdisc to VHS to DVD. Wow. And they are now a nonprofit 
archive. They 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 carry themselves as having more caught more titles than even the National Archive does because they have some things that have just been kind of lost to history. Like they have the only copy of it, right? Damn. And they're they're still a video store, just a nonprofit. And um, he worked there, and you know you'd expect that interview to be, you know, that's the kind of guy who would be like totally anti-blockbuster. But no, he had these wonderful, the same kind of things about the local blockbuster around there. He goes, you know, he goes, there's a place for everyone. The mum and pops in the blockbusters, it wasn't really as much of a battle as you'd like to think. We were all just kind of elevating each other while the industry was dying. You know, because yeah. because some people only had access to the mom and pop. Some people only. He, so he's like, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, shit on streaming because streaming is allowing people to access movies that they never could have accessed. They didn't have a blockbuster or a local mom and pop even. So it's actually making it so more people can see this stuff. And I was like, you know, for a guy that works where he works, he had a very interesting point of view on it. You know? Yeah, definitely. And yeah, that that was always that was yeah that I agree with that kind of sentiment. Um, it's like you know everybody's suddenly into Evangelion now that it just hit Netflix, mm. which and that makes me so happy because I used to buy Evangelion tapes when they hit every two months at Suncoast Video. Yes, like, that's where I bought them too. Yeah, it was like thirty bucks per tape, but you did it anyway because it was such a weird and wonderful show. Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah, so it's great, and it's great to see people, like, really getting into it. It's, you know, this is why this is why I despise, like, gatekeeping. Yes. Because why would you not want somebody to be into a thing that you think is cool? Right. Right. Even, even if they're just casually into it, who cares? They think it's cool, too. That's great. Right, and I think I think that's what made Blockbuster great, is it was, it was like an anti-gatekeeping kind of place. Yeah. They're, I, I don't remember me or any of my friends not there was an excitement in showing people stuff like if you if you had someone that came in and rented you know like blockbuster would get you know animes in from time to time and so you could be like oh man if you like this we don't have it but if you go to the mall and go to suncoast they have evangelion i bet you you know if you like ninja scroll i bet you really like evangelion you should go check it out and People kept coming back because they got recommendations like that. Yeah, it's it. Um, plus, you know, the fact that Blockbuster was corporate and was so mainstream meant that it was almost, and I hate to put it this way, but kind of a trap for the yeah. mainstream people to get cool stuff. Uh, like uh, one of my favorite things, people would be like, "Hey, I'm looking for a good horror movie," and I know these people; they always like read slashes and whatnot. And be like, "Check out Strangeland. I think oh, you dig yeah. that one." D. Schneider's Strangeland, and nine times out of ten, they ended up loving it. So it was one of those I get to you know point them toward a movie that they might not otherwise see, because I've learned who they are and kind of their tastes and figured out a way to you know get them on something that just is so bizarre and out of the mainstream. Right, and, and then they, they and then they ended up trusting you. Yeah. So oh, that, you that always you, felt so good. Yeah, it was great because even if they like disagreed with something, you'd never really got people that were all that angry. They'd be like, you know what? No, you you tried, man. You got me. Like that, was, and it's like, oh, that that's awesome. Yeah, you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. the The only time I, the only time I remember people being angry was if clearly something else was going on, or they didn't want to pay their late fees. Yep. Like, 
the one oh, dude yeah. I had one dude come in who had 12, 12 late movies and he's trying to convince me that somehow we forgot to scan them all <laughs> I'm like 12, 12 movies we forgot to scan 12 movies by accident that, that's what you're claiming <sighs> so at my uh, at my live show which <laughs> hopefully will have been announced by the time um, this episode airs. God, if, hopefully the announcement comes tomorrow. Um, but uh, a joke that I'm planning on doing involves me having something that looks like a Dropbox on the stage. And I'm going to have someone come and return a movie. But because I'm starting the show at 2 in the afternoon, I'm going to have it be just after 2. <laughs> so I can go, hey, just so you know. I would have had to two to check that in, and now it's two fifteen. <laughs> so this is, and I just want to like, like, twist that knife into because the, these are going to be the people that used to rent from us in Salem. Just to twist yeah. that knife one more time, like we had that thing clear at one forty-five. Yeah, every every time, every day. Oh man! It's Even nuts. on Sundays when you came in and the flap was open because everything was pouring out. I, I don't yep. know how how busy was your was the Salem store. Extremely. Yeah, same with the Coral Springs store. We were uh, we were sometimes in the top ten in the country for um, just uh, volume. That's amazing. It, so we had the Salem, Lynn, and Swampscott stores were all very close to one another. I'd say they were probably within five miles of each other, mm-hmm. and we were consistently the place everyone would come. So we'd get the, you know what, we went to Lynn and it was a disaster, so we came here. And after a while we got, you know, I live in Lynn, but I come to you because they really liked us. So we we would do asinine business. Yeah. Like for, for the area. It wasn't a giant store. It was a big store. But, it you know, there were so many that we didn't have to have, like, one giant store. Yeah. Uh, we, we had, uh, what's up? Coral Springs had three blockbusters in it. There was uh, the Coral Ridge one, the um, uh, the Royal Palm one, and my store, which was the Wiles one, which was, for the record, across the street from what was at the time the only McDonald's in the world without Golden Arches. Weird. Uh, Coral Springs sign laws would not allow them to put up the Golden Arches, so they were the only one. That's weird. It is weird. It was the weirdest fucking thing. There's there's a couple of towns around here that have a no drive through rule. So they have the only fast food places without drive throughs. Wow. It's really strange. That is so that is strange. But yeah, uh, the Wild Store was far and away the, you know, most popular one in Springs just because that's where the largest concentration of people was and we would get people up from uh, well, Parkland which is unfortunately everybody now knows that city. Yes, it's, it's that part. Yeah, yep. I, I went to that school. Oh, wow. That was my high school. Um, but oh, yeah. Oh, dude, wow. Yeah. The, okay. The, yeah, but the Wild Store was um, about a mile uh, north of Parkland. Basically, you had the, uh, the Sawgrass Expressway was the separator between Coral Springs and Parkland, and this was right up the street from that. So what what year did you start at Blockbuster? I can't even remember the year. Hold on, I'd have to actually do the math on or, this. Or, or or roughly, like must have been ninety nine. Okay, so we're we're so, right. I was two thousand two thousand one. So we're, yeah, 
It was like cool. just it was just after the Matrix came out. That was still in the new release wall when I started. Nice. Now was it when the Matrix came out on VHS or DVD? VHS. Yeah. We <laughs> um we had just installed our single bay of DVDs when I started. Oh, nice. And, and the Matrix was one of the few that we had. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah, I remember having to do start that uh, changeover, and for a while, you know, we'd have the VHS and the DVD right next to each other whenever possible. Yep. Yeah. Oh man, that that was great. So I wait, I have a question for you. Yeah. So, when you did inventory, what <laughs> movies did you watch? <laughs> None, I swear. Yeah. No, um, well, let's see. A particular favorite was "Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?" Good one. Um, because because it just sounds wonderful, and yeah. we could all quote it. You'd get like the "He's a suitor, bona fide" from the two sides of the store. I'm the goddamn <laughs> paraphernalias. Um, Clerks, mm-hmm. Mallrats, Dogma, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Um, what was another real big one? Um, Pulp Fiction. Yep. Um, all those two. Yeah. Um. Oh man, there was a bunch more. Um. Desperado, Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Um. We just kept going. It it kind of stuck around there. Um. Oh, High Fidelity. High Fidelity. That's a good one. Yeah, High Fidelity. That. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Uh, well, we we a lot of the ones you mentioned, but the one that we would watch every inventory without fail. The first thing we put on is Kentucky Fried Movie every time. <gasps> yes, and we would all like stop what we were doing for the Catholic School Girls in Trouble segment. Yep, yep, or Big Jim Slade. Yes, Big Jim Slade. Big Jim oh, Slade so- will please your woman in ways you could not even imagine. I added I, I added Big Jim Slade to my um, Cards Against Humanity deck. Oh, I'm still working on a Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back expansion for Cards Against Humanity. Cool. Yeah, we 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 saw that movie way too many times. Me and yeah. my blockbuster friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, oh yeah, God, Kentucky Fried movie. I yep. the first time I ever watched that, I was way too young to have been seeing it. Um, which was the way it was with most of the Zucker Brothers type movies from that era, because my yeah. dad just didn't care. He's like, "Yeah, we'll put this on. I don't fucking care." <laughs> and, um, um, the Hong Kong with the Statue of Liberty in the shot bit. Yeah, I spit taked when I was like <laughs> eight years old when that came up. It's like I get this. I get this. I shouldn't get this. Why this is so funny? And I get it. <laughs> Uh huh. Take him to Detroit. <laughs> no, anything but Detroit. Just kill me. <laughs> oh god. Oh, man, Kentucky Fried movie. movie is such a good choice. Yeah, it was. It was a tradition, and we couldn't even remember who started it. Like the manager who first put it on was long gone before I got there, and it was just a store tradition. So that was the first thing we would watch whenever we did inventory and we would just be sitting there quoting the movie as we're just, you know, scanning everything. Aren't, isn't like Hava Nagila or something playing during the big Jim Slade sequence? Uh, it's some, it's some like weird, like, like Jewish hymn being yeah, sung for some reason. 
Yeah, it, it is seriously, it, it makes no sense in the context of it, but nothing about that movie makes sense. There was that one, then there was Amazon Women on the Moon, right? Was yeah. the other one that was similar? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, we did, inventory nights were always the best, because we hung out and we watched movies, and then we went to IHOP. Yeah, we went to Denny's. Um, yeah. Our Denny's finally closed about three or four years ago. I Denny's was where my uh, my friends and I used to hang out just in general, and ours closed also about three or four years ago due to health code violations. Yes, <laughs> which was which was apparently fairly common in places that I ate growing up. Because speaking, going back to Blockbuster for a second, there was a pizza place in the same uh, shopping center that was shut down. I'd say a good five times due to health code violations. They kept reopening. And I kept eating there because I was a <laughs> stupid teenager and loved their meatball parm in a pita. Nice. It's called Pizza Carousel was the name of the place. And I loved this place. And it was like right by work. So I'd go there and get this food even though I was probably eating, I don't know, roach carcasses or whatever. Probably. <laughs> Most likely, yes. We Rat had, problems. We had, let's see. I was in a Shaw's Plaza that later got a market basket. And yet the Shaw's and market basket both have stayed open. Oh, that's good. Which I don't know if if you even Market Basket is a local chain. Okay. Um, they were they were in the news most recently because they were originally a two split company. So it was the Demoulis brothers started Market Basket. Oh. And you know, they were I mean this was they were everywhere. And the stores all went on strike because one brother shit canned the other brother out of the company. And the one that stuck around was the one no one liked. And so oh. the company the company rose up against him and in a great fit of it was an amazing story. There were documentaries made about it and all this. It was like a good six month process where they finally won the store back and like, you know, none of the none of the delivery people were delivering. You know, so everything was rotting and like, and so they were giving it out to food banks before it would, you know, and it was this big deal. And then finally it all worked. And to thank everybody for standing up for him, he made everything in the store 10% off for a year. And they were all, and they were already the cheapest place around, you know? And so it was wild, but I don't know how Shaw's cause do you guys have Shaw's in Florida? No, we don't. Everything, everything like Piggly Wiggly and, um, Publix. Publix. Publix, yeah. Publix yep. is the it, it, Publix. any Floridian. Publix yep. is the way to go. So Publix is like our Shaw's or Market Basket, yeah. Gotcha. Um, but uh, it's just wild. But then there's also a Target in this parking lot. It's just a weird amalgam of strangeness. And then there was this little offshoot plaza in it with a Blockbuster and a Quality Cuts and um, a Sherwin Williams paint store. And that's where the Blockbuster was. But then right next to the Blockbuster was a McDonald's, a Burger King, and a Taco Bell. So, <laughs> so yeah, we were, we were all set. Yeah. <laughs> and the, uh, the giant local Chinese food places would know based on the night and who was working. Oh, is this blockbuster, Chris blockbuster, Bob? I know what you want. <laughs> and like, oh, oh, all right. Damn. <laughs> um, That's kind of the best though. Yeah, it was awesome. Oh, um, had... We had, we had another local pizza place threatened to uh, stop delivering to us. If we didn't take off the late fees of the owner, which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> Well, I mean, if that's if that's what they're gonna do, I mean, that that's just a matter of principle there, because I can guarantee those late fees are cheaper than even one pizza. But okay, yes. 
and uh, Mountain Dew Code Red. The yes. Taco Bell had it on draft. Yes. And now it's back, thankfully. It is, yeah. It's, it's not my bag, but I, I know a lot of people. No, love I, it. I, I had to get one because it came back just to bring me back. Oh, I'm you sure. Know? Yeah. But, um, but it, yeah, we, we yeah. drank way too much of that on top of drinking way too much booze during inventory. Yeah, yeah, us too. <laughs> us too. It was it was bad, and I was seventeen. Same. Oh, God. <laughs> oh it was awful. Yeah. Uh, another thing that was in the complex with our blockbuster was Baskin Robbins that my friend worked at. Ooh. So she would come by and bring me like chocolate blasts, and I would rent movies for her on my account. It was a really good symbiotic relationship. It worked out really well. Now, do you still have Baskin Robbins down there? Oh yeah, there's one like. Within walking distance of my house. Ours combined with Dunkin' Donuts up here. Oh, like, well, yeah, obviously. Yeah, us too. Like, like, like everything. Oh, it did down there too? Yeah, it did down here too. But I mean, it, it's still, it's, they've still got the Baskin Robbins stuff. Good. Yeah. The Dunkin' Donuts has kind of phased out the Baskin Robbins up here. Uh, well, We're I kind mean, of like Cold Stone Creameried. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's uh, New England. You guys are Dunkin' Donuts nuts up there. Oh my god, dude. I, I dated a girl from New Hampshire, I know. There's a street near my house that literally has... And again, this is a street that you could walk across. Like, it's not like a busy... And they needed to put one on each... There, There's literally across the street from each other. <laughs> that is that is awesome. And it's probably weird, necessary. Dude. Oh, extremely sure. necessary. Extremely yeah. necessary. Um, yeah, we... We uh, have a lot of Dunkin' Donuts. It's yep. not a joke. Oh, yeah. I, th- I remember, again, I dated a girl from New Hampshire. I remember visiting up there, and, you know, it's the morning. Got to go to Dunkies. Within the last five years, maybe a little bit longer than that, as soon as the sports teams started doing well yep. <laughs> again, and Dunkin' got the tie-in with, oh, man, it just – has taken off. I I believe it. Gotta love the recreational drug use that is caffeine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. So um Blockbuster, yeah, tell me tell me some more stories. We we made it into inventories and eating roach filled meatballs. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this this has gotta be the weirdest thing that ever happened at my Blockbuster. Okay. Um so it's Sunday morning. Myself and my manager Mike are the only two working because Sunday mornings were usually pretty slow for us. Now, what I used to do was I used to, you know, empty out the box and I would organize everything before running the tapes. I knew people who would just like run the tapes all over the store and I thought those people were crazy. So I'd just sit I'd sit down on the ground and just start organizing everything to make sure it went where it was supposed to go. So as I'm sitting there, I suddenly hear yelling. And I'm like, wait a minute. Was I, I had zoned out. I hadn't heard anything. And I heard some woman yelling. And oh. I poke my head up. And apparently, so this is what happened. The woman had rented a video game for her son. Um, it was summer vacation, like the beginning of summer vacation. And the game was scratched. So my boss, Mike, was like, well, just go grab another copy, and we'll happily switch that out for you. And then she starts on a tear about standards. 
and about how she doesn't want another one. She wants this one to work. Oh, no. And Mike's saying, I'm, I'm sorry, there's nothing we could do. If you want, you know, if you want another copy of the game, go right ahead. If you want another game, go right ahead. The kid, this poor kid, he must be seven, eight years old, is saying, there's like, Mom, please, I, I just want this game. It's fine. It just, and she is going off, knocks over a one of our uh, candy stands, and goes storming out. And Mike, and then she tries to come back in. And Mike's like, "Ma'am, I'm calling the police." She says, "Oh no, you call the police. I'll be waiting for here for them," because I guess she thinks that we committed a crime. Uh, so you she committed a up. crime by by having bad standards and not realizing your game was broken. Oh no. Yeah. So she sits outside waiting for the cop. And I'm like, what? And at this point, I'm not running tapes. I'm just watching, baffled for minutes. I have no <laughs> idea what's going on. She's I, really going to stick it to you now. Yeah. Like, I, like the trailer tape is just a drone in the background as I'm wondering what the hell's going on. And Mike's wondering what the hell's going on. As the cop is approaching, she bolts out to meet him in the middle of the street and starts yelling at him about what we did, pointing at us. We can hear her through the window, sort of, like it's muffled, but we can hear her pointing, and the cop's trying to get her to calm down, and she will not calm down. So eventually, the cop starts basically turning on her. Like, ma'am, you need to calm down right now. She's like, and I hear her just yell out, fuck this! go bolting for her car. So now the cop's like, no, 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 we're going to talk this shit out. Uh, meanwhile, the kid is still standing, like, like outside. Like, she was going to leave her kid behind. I don't know what the hell was going on here. So the cop is standing behind her car, like, banging on the truck, saying, ma'am, you need to get out of the car right now. She turns on the car and starts backing up into him. What? Yeah. So he goes around the front of the car, starts banging on the hood, said, ma'am, you need to get out. She puts him to drive and starts driving back into him into the space. Oh, my God. So at this point, he finally pulls a weapon. I'm not even sure. I don't know whether it was a gun or a taser. It was enough to get her out of the car, cuffs her, asks, if, uh, asks Mike if he could watch the kid for a couple of minutes while his partner gets here. Which, you know, Mike's like, yeah, just have him sit here. It's fine. Um, I think we bought I think we bought him a box of candy and a soda. Just uh, and eventually, yeah, uh, she eventually came back in and apologized. Apparently, she was just you know having a bad day and took it out on us. But that was the craziest. I could not believe what happened there. That was straight up curly fries. I did not understand it. Straight up curly fries is definitely a good explanation for that. Thank yeah, you, people, it, dude. It, it was amazing how it was usually the explanation. I was just having a bad day. And for some reason, people's bad days, they just had to take out on us lowly little clerks, I guess. I, I don't yeah. know what, you the know, you get that. Were like for, to a bowl. Was like, you get that so many times. It's like, you know, I, I when I was a manager, I would always say, if someone is mad enough, right, like where it's not just that they're annoyed like, you know, they're, you're actually look like they're going to get aggressive. That's what I'm here for. Like, yeah, you know what? Your late fees are gone, dude. Do you want a free rental on top of it? Like, it's not worth 
<laughs> you murdering someone in my store because you had a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I, I'm not making money off of this. Yeah. <laughs> Might I know? recommend falling down? Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with the street? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she almost ran over a cop. Yeah. Twice. Kind of. <laughs> because your video game didn't work. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we, we ended up uh, not putting that game back on the shelf. Uh, for the record and i mean like i remember like trying to go out of my way to check things to make sure they weren't scratched visibly you still you know we we were kind of told not to do that but we did it um yeah i used i loved the people that said get me another one out of the back room i know you have more i'm like no i really don't yeah you do I don't think you know how small that back room is, sir. Yeah, no, you do. You've, you've got you got you guaranteed it to be here. You're just not giving me one. I'm like, no, 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 no. we're out. <laughs> we put the movies on the shelf on Tuesday. If you came on Tuesday, you'd get one. You're yeah. here on Saturday at nine o'clock at night. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised there's anything here for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. Pulp Fiction is still here. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Man, go go through the kids and family sections. Maybe there might be some dregs there. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe the off-brand Disney movies will be there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we might have a copy of Ants left. And it, yeah. we won't have a Bug's Life, but we have Ants. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh... Another thing that was actually kind of um, that I like another one of my managers whose name I can't remember right now, but he's the one who first introduced me to the Die Hard as a Christmas movie concept. Oh yes, and it so is it is yeah. But he ended up moving Troll Two from horror into comedy, like in the computer. <laughs> so Troll Two was flat out just in the comedy section of our store. I love it. Yeah. Oh, it it. it, it kind of is i mean oh no it, it 100 percent belongs there yeah that was the correct place to put it but it's one of those yeah i did not see that coming but yeah good well done although if uh what's on if um i saw like a family trying to rent it i think you want a different one you want a different yeah, yeah. comedy yeah you definitely want a different comedy maybe yeah. you're more harry and the henderson's people yeah i still remember um one time my mom rented me I'm, for some reason, she was just obsessed with me renting this movie, and I always wanted to rent different ones. But finally, she rented Hobgoblins. Ooh. I don't know why. My, to, she doesn't remember either. But I remember like three or four times we went to uh, Blockbuster, and she desperately wanted to rent this movie because she thought I would like it. And I watched it. I'm like, what, what am I watching? What is this? <laughs> and it ended up... She, this was uh, before it was on MST3K. Yep. This, yeah, this was like a good two or three years before it hit MST3K. I watched this and I'm like, Mom, why did you want me to watch this? I don't understand. You know, I've unironically seen Santa Claus Conquers the Martians before it was on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Really? Yeah. That is an accomplishment. Yeah, I don't know how I ended up seeing it. I don't know if it was like a grandparent that just had it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like unironically, yeah. and they're like, you should watch this. This is a kid's movie. Uh, <laughs> it's technically true. Technically, it is true. That is a thing that was filmed. 
Yes, it, it is a movie in <laughs> in the strictest sense of the word, and there are kids in it. Did um, were you guys allowed to have a favorite section? Um, uh, no, an not employee, employee like an favorites. Favorite? Sorry, yeah. Um, yes and no. Our store did not. However, the other stores would occasionally like adopt us. The other stores in Coral Springs would adopt us and let us put stuff in their employee favorite sections. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, was, we kept we kept so having nice. ours taken down on us. Really? Yeah. Corporate right. would come in and go, you can't do that. Uh-huh. And we're like, what? <laughs> but how are they going to know what our favorite movies are? Exactly. I don't think you understand, sir. I really, really, really need to get people to rent the rent this copy of Dead Alive that we happen to have, even though Blockbuster isn't supposed to have it. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> You also had a uh, you also had a version of Dead Alive that you weren't supposed to. Have. We did, yes. We, we we had a version of Dead Alive we weren't supposed to have. We had the only copy that people could find for rental of the original Wicker Man in the area. Ooh. Yeah, that was that was a good one. Um, I, that movie's incredible. Yeah. Oh God, that for, oh I love that movie so much. Um. Yeah. So. Yeah, employee favorites. What's cool, I was talking to the folks at the Bend store. Not only do they have an employee favorite section, but they design their own cover box art for it. Oh, that is so Which I think is really cool. Oh, I love that. That is so great. Yeah, I I think that's that's a super cool idea. Like, not not only is, you know, you know, whatever, Fight Club, you know, this guy's employee favorite, but... No, he drew his own cover for it to let you know that it's his. And it's like, that's that's super cool. That is, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. really wish we could have pulled stuff off like that. That would have been awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the only, that was the only problem with having one of the more popular stores was Corporate was always kind of swooping in to check in on it. Like, you guys still doing really well? Yeah. You would think it would be the opposite. But no, they're always there. Yeah, it was all, they, they didn't do the squeaky wheel needs the grease at that company. They did the... We're going to make it harder for the ones that are doing well to do well. Yeah. <laughs> it's very strange. I, I'd see you, when, when you get through some of the other episodes, you, you'll hear me talk to my friends. They split us all up. We, we were doing so well. Our numbers were so good that they felt there's no way that there's not something fishy going on here. So they split us all up. And lo and behold, nothing fishy was going on. Um, we just really liked working together. And it was, it was never the, it was never the same after that. I'm Um, sure. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man. Do you know the, the textbook definition of the word shrink, which is what Blockbuster and other corporate entities use for, um, stolen stuff. But do you know what the textbook corporate definition is? I do not know. Employee theft. Really? Basically, and I asked about it when I was training to be a store manager. I said, why is that? And they say, because if a customer steals something, the employee stole it. Because you weren't good enough to stop them. Huh. I had never heard that, but that's interesting. Yep. yep. So, yeah, that, that that would explain the mentality of, oh, a whole bunch of stuff got stolen. Let's bring in loss prevention and sit down all the employees and get them to admit to it. Yeah, that, that suddenly becomes very clear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Speaking of stolen stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, speaking of stolen yeah. stuff. So um, the most common way that people stole stuff from us when we had the locked um, boxes. 
razors and then throw the steal the DVD or whatever and then throw the box like slip it between the uh, shelves. Did you get yep. that a lot? Oh yeah. Yep. We used to have just a pile of uh, razored out boxes that we would find um, again during inventory. It just open up the shelves, just sweep them out, and collect the lock bits. We caught a guy who had his pants full of a bunch of DVDs by following a blood trail one night. Following a blood trail? He cut his hand with the razor on the last thing he was trying to steal. <laughs> wow. And he, he came up to the front. We had one guy out there following him, and he came up to the front. And again, you're not allowed to accuse. So he said, sir, are you okay? Uh-huh. <laughs> and he's standing there. Yeah, no, I just cut my hand on one of your boxes. Okay, um, do you need a bandage? No, no, I'm good. I just need to get out of here. Okay, well, um, why are your pants bulging out? Like, and why does it look like you have DVDs in there? <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. And he gave, like, we don't want those back. Now they're covered in your blood, man. Like, yeah. Fuck? <laughs> wow. Yeah, dude, we had some weird ones. Yeah, we had uh, one person who was trying to steal stuff by strapping it to their, uh, so strapping it to their ankle with rubber bands. <laughs> But they didn't take him out of the box, so when they walked through the scanner, it started beeping. They're like, oh, um, could you just kind of walk back and do that again? Oh, oh, that's strange. Hold on. Let us take your tapes, and we'll just walk them around here. (laughs) Oh, huh? And finally, they broke down, like, all right, all right, fine, and took him out of, like, lift up their pant leg and took it, gave us back our DVDs. I'm like, thank you, sir. Did you, did you guys ever have a situation where you hated a movie so much that you had a lot of copies of where when you did a field destroy pull, um, you, you know, the, the polls were, okay, this movie is selling so poorly that we're not even going to try to sell it as a PVT. You're just going to flat out, you know, destroy it out. And you had to put it in a bag and bring it to the garbage. The corporate didn't want them back, but you also weren't allowed to take them. Quote, unquote. Mm -hmm. Um, one night. We um, did one right before an inventory. And so the bags of them were out there. And I don't know what it was. I was bullshit about something. And I showed up for the inventory and I said, you feel destroyed Blair Witch Project 2 tonight? They were like, yeah, there's like 100 copies of it in that bag. And I stacked them all up and grabbed a hammer from the back room and just started beating the shit out of Blair Witch Project 2. We were on we were elbow dropping them. You know, we were nice. playing frisbee with them. It was <laughs> bad. <laughs> oh, that was the other uh, cool thing about Blockbuster uh, working there was the other employees got me back into wrestling because I hadn't nice. been for years. And they got me back into it. I'm like, all right, I'm kind of glad they did because, you know, it's... It was the late 90s. It was a weird time for wrestling, but it also had some really cool stuff going on. I'm glad I got a chance to see it. Yeah, it, it's cool to have witnessed that. That was a very weird time. Yeah. that was a, They would put that on uh, the DirecTV when we were chilling DirecTV. They would put that on on Sundays as uh, the wrestling previews. So, so I had had someone on the show recently who was at Blockbuster more recent than you and I, yeah. and it completely broke their brain that we ever shilled direct TV because when they worked there, it was all dish because it's when dish had bought them. Oh yeah. (laughs) That makes sense. (laughs) 
which I think is really funny. I also read something recently that I didn't know about, and I'm going to have to ask the uh, the folks at um, the Bend, Oregon store about this, but when Blockbuster Corporate America got sold to Dish, which was before the company went full under, so Dish owned them for a few years before they closed all the corporate stores, they actually forced all of the Canadian stores to close because Dish only bought Blockbuster America. So they actually took the Canadian stores to court that still had the Blockbuster logo that said, you know, you could be your own video store, but you got to get rid of all the Blockbuster signage. And they're like, how are we going to ever stay open? You know? Wow. It was a very weird and kind of shitty thing to do. It's like, just close them. Like, you know, (laughs) like it was just very strange. Yeah. That's one of those. We really don't want to be the ones to pull the trigger on this one. So we'll just kind of let you guys die slowly and painfully. So how, um, how long were you at, at Blockbuster? You said you were there off and on, but what were like the years that you covered? All right. So, uh, started in 99, um, I worked through, uh, let's see here, till I went to college in 2001. Then I came back for the summer of 2002 and the summer of 2003. And uh, after that, it was one of those, I had kind of moved on and I had my own job and I had yep. kind of established myself up here in Orlando. So I wasn't coming back home to spend the summer with my parents anymore. Right. Do you, do you remember, was that the only blockbuster store you worked at? Um, I used to fill in shifts at the other stores, but that was my main one. Do you remember the store code? 78,000. Nice. I was 25032. Do you remember nice. your, do you remember your login, your employee number? Yes. Um, oh, oh wait, no, my employee number was 78,000. The store code was, oh no, I forgot the store code. Oh, that's terrible. That's all right. Ah, uh, no, I feel bad. But now I got to look it up. I gotta figure this out. Not like <laughs> this moment, but like tomorrow. I'm definitely gonna yeah. Look this send up. it to me. Send it to me. I'll put it up with the episode. I was, I yeah. was. It, it amazes me how many of these numbers I remember. I was two oh four oh six. My buddy Steve was one eight three five nine. My buddy Paul was one eight eight five nine. My buddy Tim was two zero zero two zero. No, no, Tim was one one five one one. Scott was two zero zero two zero. Um. At Woburn, I was two four seven seven three. I, I worked at s- four or five different stores over my my time period there. I never wanted to go back to the Salem one. Did I tell you on shooting the shit? I have the gumball machine. No, you didn't. You do. I, awesome. I not only do I have a blockbuster gumball machine, I have the gumball machine from the Salem store where we all worked. When they closed in two thousand fourteen, my brother came to my birthday party and said, "Get in the car. We're buying you something." And he bought me the gumball machine, complete with the um, uh, security stickers still holding on the cash drawer on it because we had lost the key. Oh, that's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It still had Carl and Ray gumballs in it. Wow. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Those were hard enough to eat back then. Mm Mm-hmm. I can only imagine now they're basically just jawbreakers. Yes. Yeah, and it's it's in my basement. I'm actually going to bring it to the live show as a stage prop. Good idea. <laughs> just they're basically just full of everlasting gobstoppers at this point. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so that's awesome. So I do wish, you? I wish I knew what happened to all that stuff. Right. 
Um, I know where all the register um, and computers went. They're all in a warehouse um, owned by Sandy Harding at the Bend, Oregon store because she spent years accumulating them so she can keep her store running. Nice. Because <laughs> they still run on the same exact same uh, software they ran when you and I were there. You're kidding me. Yeah, they never upgraded it. Well, and, I don't think they can at this and point. My lo- last guest on Talkbuster. Dave Carrera still works for his own independent IT company and their number one customer is still being IT support for the last Blockbuster. He started it. He branched off from a Blockbuster IT where he used to work. And now he's the last person in Blockbuster IT running his own consulting company to help that, them. That is so cool. Good yeah. for him. It's really freaking weird, dude. The people I've met and will continue to meet of course, you're you know you you've been on twice now. Uh, you you and your wife are like my favorite guests. I like Aww. you guys. No, no, it's just it's great because it's like I, you know, just a good conversation. So what what else you got? You got more blockbuster stories? Oh yeah. Uh, let's see here. Um, uh, there was the time that uh, my best friend who was work at the time, his girlfriend came over, and we we're getting close on closing, and we thought the store was empty. So he got her to say over the intercom, um, Dave is a sex god. And then like three young girls pop their heads up from around uh, favorites wondering what the hell's going on. Like, why are you here at 1145? But um, can we check you out? Can we just get, can we get that uh, scan for you, please? That's awesome. Yeah. Tell no one. Tell no one what you've heard and seen here. Yeah. Did hey, you guys we'll give one of you give you one of these for free? How's did that? your stores ever do the thing where they decided it would be a funny idea to stay open to one AM on Fridays and Saturdays? Yep. Oh yeah. So tell me this. Did you actually get customers between midnight and one AM? Like yes. a lot of them? You did? See, oh, we didn't. Did we ever? We didn't. The store was dead. We'd get like two or three people, and then at 1245, we'd get three or four stoners would come in, and all they would want was ice cream. Oh. 1245 at night. They'd come in and raid the Ben and Jerry's. That's all they'd do. (laughs) It was so funny. It was the same guys. It's like, are we really just staying open an extra hour for these like $15 in ice cream sale? Yep. Yes, you are. (laughs) Okay. So Friday and Saturday night at our store, um, I never went, I never worked on Friday. It was like my one stipulation because that was sushi nights. My friends yeah. and I, we, my friends and I, we had what was called the sushi group. And on Friday nights, every Friday, we would go to a sushi place and just talk and hang out. And it was, you know, that's where I started uh, discussing philosophy. It was, we were weird kids, but we, we were fun kids. Dude, there is yeah. nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Man. That sounds hey, like fun. Hey, one of the people that was there uh, now lives in Japan. My buddy Damien. He, he lives in Japan. He married a girl out there, and he lives in Kobe. So, so. He's, so sushi night is every night. Yeah, exactly. He's living the dream. Um, but Saturday nights. All right. So Saturday night at the spring store, the uh, line would come in from the entrance, go around the new release wall, the entire new release wall, up through the middle, uh, up through the middle between the favorites, and yep. then to the register, and it would stay that way until twelve thirty a.m. Yeah, with, with us, it stayed that way until about eleven thirty. But yeah, 
Yeah, till about 12.30 a.m., and then the line would start to die down. So there would be some times when even 1 o'clock was not enough to get us to get our Saturday night people out. Me and my buddy Scott would always work Saturday nights together. We did set, and he's been he he was on two episodes of the show because he was my store manager twice at two <laughs> different stores, um, and uh, we would ring people out on a Saturday night and then open Sunday together. And people yeah. are like, "You're crazy! Why would you do that?" And it's like, "No, we're not crazy because we scheduled just the two of us on a Saturday night with with you know like another person to float around and clean up the floor and ring a third if we needed or a fourth if we needed it, but." We would at midnight, we'd lock the door, do the money, and then just leave. Like, because the night was so brutal that we're just like, we're not even gonna freaking clean this place. Like we're and we'd and we'd come in, you know, get a good night's sleep, come in an hour earlier than normal on Sunday morning, and calmly without customers in the store, run the tapes and face the walls, and then would start the week with a nice clean store, because you know, barely anyone came in on Sundays. It was just return tapes. And it yeah. felt so good. Like we had that down pat. It was perfect. That is a good system. But I, Saturday I was awful. System. We also did all our inventories on Saturday nights because, hey, guess what? There's no more product in the store. Here oh, yeah, us too. <laughs> us too. We did our inventories always on Saturday night was when we did inventory because of that exact reason. Yeah, Saturdays we had a good five people on register and then one person yep. floating doing straight, yep. straightening. It was, oh, God, a nightmare. Yeah, one, one on the manager's pit and then the four registers in the CSR pit all going. Yep. We, uh, we actually, one Saturday, I remember we had to have all six of us go in at the same time and we used the, uh, we used the machine that, uh, the card printing machine. Yes. Check people out. Yep. Cash only, but we did the card, we used the card printing machine to get people checked out. Did um did you ever have a situation where you lost power and the company made you stay open? Yes. And you so had to do that by hand manual checkout. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like like two or three times. Once when a hurricane was coming. Oh grand. Yeah. And you can guarantee, I can guarantee you that store was slammed because a hurricane's coming and everyone's like, oh, I'm going to rent a movie and watch it during the hurricane. Great idea, folks. Yeah. It, okay. <laughs> it was fun. It, it, I admit it. It's one of those at the time it was, you know, again, clown town curly fries. But now it, I look back and I'm like, yeah, that, that was kind of fun. Oh, it was a lot of fun. All of yeah, it. it. All was. of it. Now, it was. Even the bad parts were kind of great. Now, near the end of my time there, so I was there till about 2008, off and on, so I right. stuck around for a bit. Yeah, um, well, there were – you still there? Yeah, I'm still there. Oh, it sounded like you dropped away. Sorry. Um, I don't know if you got hit with any of this, but they, they were, you know, the, the, the death knell was coming. It, you know, the company was still really busy, but the death knell was coming. Um, and so they started trying to like rebrand. So they, they were sending us to a lot of corporate training and there was like this, Oh, your whole store has to go. And it doesn't matter if they're on vacation or they're in school or whatever. They have to go to like this three in the afternoon till midnight, like simulcast, like blockbuster training event. And it was absolutely the most infuriating thing I have ever done in my life. 
And I've, I was in residence life in college. Like I've been through like just BS, like team build event. This was the worst one. I've, it was just, and the whole thing was, we're going to start having carts to run the tapes. And so we need to make sure that your whole staff understands their limitations. And then you're going to leave with like your cart set up for your store. And I'm just like, Oh my God, please make this stop. Wow. (laughs) Were you there during any of this? I was not. No, when I and left they, was just when they were starting to uh, do the Netflix style. Okay. Uh, through the mail DVDs, and you can return it to the store. So, so this came with so the the running the tapes was now on a cart, and below the cart there were like things for the floater. You actually had to have a floating employee on who was called like the entertainment specialist. And he walked around the store with like a, he had a lanyard he had to wear around his neck. And in the lanyard were like um, rewards program membership information to sign up and the movie pass that they were doing or sign up for blockbuster.com and get your first month free. If you do it in the store and they, and they had like trivia that they were supposed to play with people while they were in line and they had free bags of popcorn they could give out. And it was just like, it was, it didn't fit at all with, with the way the stores actually ran. It, It felt really fake. And it, it just didn't work. It you felt know? really corporate. It's a, yeah. It's, like, it, it's, it's weird to put a carnival barker in the middle of a blockbuster. But that's what you were supposed to do, man. You were supposed to be like, hey, attention, everybody in line. Let me tell you a funny joke from my pre-written list of jokes I'm allowed to tell. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, dude. And, and, and I get it. Like, I get the idea of, okay, you have a cart. So if you have the movies on them and a customer asks, you know, where another movie is, you can stop. That part all made sense. You know what I mean? But also our customers loved seeing us carrying the big stacks of tapes and like yelling at each other. You know, I bet you can't do 42, you know, and, uh-huh. and they, they thought that was funny, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I know. I'm, I'm right there with you. It's, you know, it was a, it was a matter of pride to see how many tapes you could get like under your chin and drop in your arms as low as possible. We used to make up stories with the titles of the movies too, which was kind of cool. Like while you were running them, I wait. Hold up, what do you mean? I I don't think we did like, this. Like like you'd have you know like, um, I, I can't even think of a great example, but you'd have you know, you'd look at the top movie as you were going to put it on the shelf to be like adaptation. It's like you know, adaptation was a monster's ball of of Titanic proportions, you know, <laughs> you just said you, you'd be, oh, people would be like, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, oh, that sounds awesome. Oh man. Monsters ball. We wrote in giant Sharpie on the side of all those boxes, Halle Berry's monster balls. <laughs> just so when the person came in on, t- on Monday to, sh- to face the shelves, they'd see the boxes and die laughing. Nice. And it, and it worked. Of course, then, you know, we had all these cardboard boxes in the middle of the store the night before that said Halle Berry's Monster Balls on it. But, hey. Yeah, whatever. Do um do you remember, I don't know if this was in your time, but we had a couple of times where movies were released early accidentally. Mm-hmm. And so us as employees would buy out <laughs> a couple before we sent them back. One of my favorites was the movie... um. I forget what movie it was, 
but there was a movie. I think it was, I think it was um, Sahara had the trailer for Spider-Man with the two towers in it. Oh, and yeah. all those copies got called back, but a couple of us bought them. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, Ed Wood also got a release that it wasn't supposed to on DVD that we had to send back and get replaced, like mm-hmm. a Criterion collection. Um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, the same thing. Yeah. Oh, I remember that one. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I think I bought one of those. And uh, the manager that uh, talked to me, the diehard manager, yeah, he bought he bought one of those too. Oh, and the Fear Family Lo- Man, the Family Man got oh. sent back. Because the cover box art had the two towers on it. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yep. I remember that one too. That was some weird stuff. It was, yeah. No, the, one of the best parts about working at Blockbuster, though, was you get first pick of everything. Yep. Uh, like, uh, I remember when the Jaws uh, 2 DVD special edition came out. We had two copies. I can guarantee, I, I can tell you for a fact that our customers never had a chance to get yeah. one of those. I bought one, and another employee bought one. I remember. I it still have it at the height of video games. Because again, I didn't work. Video games kind of started taking a downturn just because it's expensive. Like even Blockbuster started getting hit with the we don't really have the turnaround on these to to get the quantities. But yeah. Metal Gear Solid Two oh, was such yeah. a giant release when I was at Blockbuster. I remember we uh-huh. got something like. 250 sale copies of this thing wow and they were gone the first day oh yeah and yeah i just remember opening the boxes being like wow i just i it was amazing to see that many copies of a movie let alone that many copies of a game yeah it it blew i remember that too it absolutely blew my mind i remember playing that game in pre-release in fact cuz yeah my my house was the hangout house and i didn't own a ps2 but um a friend of mine brought his over and just left it there cuz that's where we were all hanging out anyway and we just played through metal gear solid too and i remember i remember trying to wondering what the hell happened i don't even i, I don't even think i can explain what happened at the end of that game no, I don't remember the end of that game. It was a great game, though. It was, yeah. It was a lot of fun. I, I um, love playing it. I remember our one rental PS2 was never available for rental because we had it set up in the back room. <laughs> oh, so that's what was in the back room that they, that you totally could have gotten for that one customer. Yeah, I could have gotten them the rental PS2. Yeah, they... yeah. Yeah, we um we had we had a rental PS2 set up in the back room and we played Grand Theft Auto Three. Yeah, like we you had... just go on. I'm going on break. I'll, 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 I'll take over for the last person. All right, <laughs> keep nice. playing through it. <laughs> yeah, we had the uh, N64 in the background or in the background. Nice. Did you have a Pokemon Snap machine? Yes. Yes, we did. <laughs> oh, we just screwed around with that so damn much. So what else you got? I, I, I love these stories. Keep them coming, yeah. man. All right, this, uh, is my, this is my favorite show I do. <laughs> I can imagine. I can see why. Uh, did you do the thing where you would buy like the powdered candy thing and uh, dump it into water to get flavored water? Yep. Yep. Oh, did Lord. you ever have nerds rope eating competitions? Yes. Yes, Those we did. Fucking things. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, uh, we, we would 
but we would do it with only one rope, and the idea was to get to the middle first, and it could it could get awkward. Let me tell you. But <laughs> oh, that's amazing! That's yeah. like doing like the scavenger hunt and having five people on your team and telling them all to take a bite out of a donut at the same time. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's so that. I'm trying to think what else happened there. Um. All right, so one of my managers, Travis. Travis had a uh, specific philosophy. You had to be like a shark, always moving. He was the only manager who did this, and we despised having to work with him because basically if there wasn't something to do, he's like, find something to do. Otherwise, he would find you something to do. So I can... Oh, no. On, on nights when Travis was around, I would literally just walk up and down pretending to straighten boxes just so that it would look like I was doing something. And like keeping an eye out for Travis. Whenever he popped around the corner, I would very obviously, now that, I, you know, in hindsight, I thought I was so clever at the time, start straightening a box, any box, even if it was perfectly straight, like uh, uh, a little to the left, a little to the right. Uh, to his credit, he never called me on it. So, you know, good for him. Thank you. If you're listening to this, Travis, thank you. But yeah, it was, yeah, it was be like a shark, always moving. As long as we had the appearance of always being active, that was fine. Yep, I, I remember that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. We had two guys working there. Uh, the manager Mike I was talking about, he was uh, what's he was a Navy veteran. And then we had a Marine there. And the two of them going at each other was hilarious. Oh, that must have been awesome. Yeah. Mike's telling stories about how, you know... I remember, I remember going to uh, so going to mess, and the Marines are already lined up. They got books in their hands; they're all upside down. I don't know what's going on. And then the Marine says, "Oh yeah, how's that boat that you guys drove to actually take us to our jobs?" Yeah. I used to hear that a lot. From oh yeah, <laughs> naval guy used to tell the Marines to climb something. It's like that's what that's all you guys are good for. Go climb, climb something. something. <laughs> Go climb something. Have um. A, a random aside to that, I had the privilege of going to a Marine graduation at Paris Island. Oh, wow. And I, you know, not a military person myself, but my, my, uh, um, what would the word be? Nephew, I guess, who's not my nephew anymore, but he was through marriage for a little bit. Right. Um, we went down to see him graduate, um, and he, it was extremely impressive. It was extremely impressive what they do down there. Um, they, 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 they bring the parents in and the family, and it's still a working military base, right? Like they, the, the kids graduate and become Marines, while other groups are still going through boot camp, right? You know, each yeah. weekend, you know, it's just whatever group came in, however many months prior to that, right? right. So. They don't even get to see you. Your first interaction with them is they do a uh, like a celebration run. So they do a morning like calisthenics, like five mile run through the base and they chant, you know, whatever Marine chant is. But it's yeah. like they're um, like victory lap. Right. We've done it. So you come there at like four in the morning and line up and the people you're coming to see you know, like showboat by you, like doing like their normal morning workout, but it's now a happy thing instead. of. And I'm like, this was insane. 
Like, that's how they start you off. And then they did all this cool stuff where they, like, they took you into a room and showed you video from them doing their, um, their, uh, they call it the Crucible, which is their, like, last big thing they do. It's like a multi-day trek through an obstacle course in the woods and they just get the crap beaten out of them and they they show it to you because it's like a team building exercise right like not leave no man behind you know help yourselves through so they show you video of your group getting to do it oh. and it's like oh that's really cool and then they take you out to dinner and they put you at a table with all the drill sergeants so like each family gets a drill sergeant to like talk to that like knew your your kid that you're there for and like and they they don't shy away from being like if if the kid like you know was a pain in the butt or like whatever and I'm like this is this is insane like it, it like it was incredibly impressive and also really intimidating like I'm all sure, at the same yeah. time and random aside on the Talkbuster podcast about the Marines I mean yeah. <laughs> regardless about what anybody thinks of the military I mean that's a very many layered thing in and of itself but i was just knowing a young person that went through it was very impressed to see how much fanfare they gave to it and how much they wanted it to be you know marketed they made it be about the people coming there to see them we didn't feel like we were you know being like phased out or like felt to be unimportant and i thought that was kind of cool yeah because you became a marine family yeah exactly and i I thought that was kind of cool um I really wish I still had contact with that guy because, you know, he uh, he was a good kid. Mm-hmm. But, you know, weird things happen with families. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, um, so, so Blockbuster. Yeah, Blockbuster. Uh, let's see here. I'm trying to think. Yeah, Blockbuster was when I was starting to, you know, as a kid, I was starting to think more deeply about things than I had previously in my life. Yeah. Um, so I was really into the Doors at the time. They were my favorite band. Still one of my favorites. I love them. Nice. But um, so I had just finished reading uh, "No One Here Gets Out Alive," and my book was just full of underlines and dog ears. And I love this bit. And I remember loaning it to a friend of mine who worked at Blockbuster with me, and he loaned me "Time a Traveler's Guide," which, if you've never read, is the coolest book about time travel I've ever read. It's about like. If time travel were real, this is how the math would work, and this is what's kind of holding us back. Ooh. But it explains it in a really interesting and easy-to-understand way. And I, we never switched books back. Like, we talked about... We talked them back and forth, like, how much we loved these books. But, yeah, he's got my marked-up, like, hell, presumably to this day. Somebody's got my marked-up to hell. Uh, no one here gets out alive. And I think a tape of Basketball Diaries... And I've still got Time of Traveler's Guide. In fact, I'm looking at it right now. It's here in my office with me. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Have you speaking of time travel, have you ever seen the movie Primer? Yes. That was that was like a master class recommendation. That's one that I would always recommend to people after I got to know them a lot. And it's like, am I gonna put them through this? Yeah. Yeah. It, Primer that, is fascinating. It is. It it took me entirely by surprise. I had no idea what I was watching. Um, I, I think somebody had just recommended it to me. I can't even remember who. But I had no idea what I was watching, but I loved it. Primer and Cube were two of my favorite. Um, you want to really melt someone's brain. Um, Primer, yeah. Cube, and Pi. Pi, yep, exactly. Were three what I was that I say. pulled out. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, 
I had the same thing with Pi, and I remember I I didn't like Requiem for a Dream that much, so I would recommend Pi to people instead of that one. Mm-hmm. That was my big. I'm like Requiem for a Dream. I didn't really like that. Watch Pi instead. And looking back on it, most people probably were not that impressed with Pi. I'm just gonna no. most no. like that's. I'm I'm reasonably certain this is before Aronofsky made like the one accessible movie that he's ever made. So, was it one or two? I'm thinking Black Swan. It's the only one I can think well, of. What about really... the re- people really liked the wrestler? Oh, that's right. He did do that one. Okay, yeah, no, yeah. Two. And then he made Noah. Cause, you know, because yeah, <laughs> and uh, mother. Yeah, yeah, mother. You know that that nice accessible F Cinema yeah. Score um, beauty right there. Exactly. Woohoo! I, I am genuinely happy for all the people who got something out of that. I can't stand that movie, but yep. you know the people no. who loved it. Good for you. I am glad that you did. Exactly. I actually haven't seen it yet, but I've I've heard so many alternating sides on that movie. <laughs> yeah. It's one of that and the Neon Demon are the two movies that people absolutely adore. That it's like, okay, yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad you do. I found them both really boring. Yeah, the Neon Demon. Oof. Uh, Debbie and I ordered that, like pre-ordered that one from Best Buy. The only movie we've pre-ordered from Best Buy, having never seen it, but thinking, hey, we love this director. Drive was amazing. Drive and, was amazing. Yeah, it. I, I've. Uh, bought the blu-ray of drive twice because we lost one of them and so i got it for debbie for christmas twice now um but yeah and so we bought that like pre-ordered it brought it home watched it like okay that was really slow and yeah i get it Uh, hollywood eats people impressive thank you for reiterating that again i'm just gonna watch sunset boulevard yep yep oh man yeah. What uh, do do you did you have any of the uh, like exclusive to blockbuster movies? Were there any that like stuck out in your head? No, actually, I'm I'm sure we did, but none of them stuck out of my head. Um, go on. I was gonna say, have you ever seen the Boondock Saints? Oh yeah, of course. So it's really weird, and I, it's it, I've everyone I have on the show very very few people knew that that was a blockbuster exclusive. I didn't realize that was a blockbuster exclusive yeah. either. It was a Canadian film meant to take place in Boston, but most of it was filmed in Toronto. Um, and Blockbuster got the exclusive rights to it. So we had two copies, and being a blockbuster near Boston, oh man, was oh. it impossible to keep that movie in. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. Oh, we went through that one like crazy as well, even you know down in Florida. But that's because it just became an instant cult classic. Oh yeah, it was. It's a blast of a movie. I dig it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's. I. I didn't realize I liked Norman Reedus until you know years later. I'm like, yep. oh wait, I've liked him for years. Yep. He was in that movie. He was in Boondock Saints. I love Boondock Saints. Oh yeah. Oh, that was great. Um, I'm trying, yeah, I can't remember what else we had on blockbuster exclusives. I remember around the time that I started working there was when AFI was doing all of their 100 lists. Yep, yep. So we used to have uh, the sections specifically to, you know, point those out, and those were great. Yeah, you'd get, like, the little cardboard runner under the movie that you'd put, this is on AFI's top 100. Exactly, yeah. Oh, but I watched 100 Years, 100 Laughs, and then started working, uh, what's up, and then started working 
maybe a week or two later. So I went to the training store and um, obviously at the training store, you're not allowed to have your five per week yet. But um, I think the manager let me use his five so I could start watching these because I made a list of movies I really wanted to watch on that list. Yeah, that's one of my biggest things I miss, you know, was getting to go through all the classics. Yeah. Because Blockbuster's had an an incredibly good mix in that favorite section. I'm not really sure how they did it, actually. (laughs) Yeah, the favorite section did not seem large enough for all of the movies that they had. Yeah, they they did a good job. And, you know, that was one of my favorite things. My five rentals were almost... They were rarely for new stuff. I mean, they were definitely for new stuff before it came out. You know, yeah, obviously. But I, but I wasn't going and deep diving the new release wall. You know, I'd go home with like four or five favorites, you know, and just be like, oh, man, I'm gonna, just going to blow through Hitchcock now because I've never seen these. Okay, let's do this. Same. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that was kind of the best thing about working at Blockbuster was, ha- it, you know, if I could go back and like get one thing out of a Blockbuster and bring that to the present would be five free rentals a week. Because, yeah. Yeah, it was one of those, and that's why I feel like I am a more well-rounded person, a more well-rounded movie viewer today, and I like a lot more things because I had the opportunity to watch those movies when I was younger and when I was working at Blockbuster. Right, it's, you know, I found that, like, people would say, well, don't you have a better ability to do that because of Netflix and things? And it's like, okay, well, you know, Netflix and things have a pretty good library of availability, but it's not constant. Things go away. Things show back up. And also, there's something about making the commitment to take something home that forces you to say, okay, I made the time commitment. I drove here. I paid for this. Or, I, you know, I got it for free, but I made the commitment to this. I'm going to sit and actually give this movie a chance. And like same thing with a movie theater, right? You go to see a movie. I don't know if you're the kind of, I've never been the kind of person that will walk out on a movie. I don't think most people walk out on a movie. Yeah. You paid for it. You're going to stick it through. Yeah. Um, I did once. Right. Oh, man. Yeah. I'll fuck that movie. Yeah. Um, but, uh, um, but you know, uh, on Netflix, you know, you can just go, you know what? This isn't doing it for me. And I have, you know, an, un an, unseen to me because I pay a monthly subscription service um, amount of investment in this movie. So you know what? Fuck it. No, I'm done. I'm going to move on to something else. Yeah. And you don't do that when you have a physical copy of something. You just don't. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, plus, you know, when I was working there, it felt like it felt like I was improving myself as an employee yeah. yeah, it felt like I was making myself a better CSR because I was sitting there. I'm learning more movies. I'm learning more things that I can use for the other people. And, you know, with Netflix, yeah, I mean, yeah, I can watch anything. But who am I doing it for? Right. And that's a, a rental store. It's it's such a cool thing because you were doing that and you actually felt pride in it. Yeah, you didn't. Feel, it was like because you weren't going home and watching them and getting paid to watch them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But but it was pride in the fact that I'm learning more about something that I love and it's also what they're paying me to do that you couldn't get like at a Best Buy. 
Like at a Best Buy, you're not trying out the product, like unless you're investing money in owning it. They're not letting you take a PS2 home and play with it, you know, mm-hmm. to tell people. So it's it's a different it's a different sort of thing that there there's no comparison really out there. No, there isn't. And that's I, that is what we sort of lost with the loss of the rental store. And I'm not one of those people that's down on streaming. I'm not, you know, no, Spielberg. no, I, I love it. But yeah, hell no. But, did you did you hear Spielberg's thing? Actually, yeah, uh, a little hear, bit. Did you hear the announcement? Which one? He's so he's apparently found um some sort of necessity now or something he found good about streaming and he's making he's producing a horror show on some it's either Hulu or Netflix or something but he's going to only make it time of day available so depending on the region you're in it's only going to be able to be viewed at night uh-huh. Which I think is a really fucking cool and a very Spielberg kind of idea. Because his whole thing, of one of his biggest things was in a movie theater, you can control the exact experience that someone's going to get. The lighting, the sound. At their house, you can't do that. That's why he's always been kind of one of the slower people to unveil special features. And, you know, his movies used to just never come out on rental, right? It took forever. Yeah. Right. And it's it's because of that, you know, he's the auteur that wants to control the way you see his movie. I get it. So he found a way to do that with streaming. I'm going to produce a horror show that's intended to be scary. So I'm going to con- make it so you can only watch it when it's dark outside. That <laughs> it's like, cool that's idea. a really cool idea. But anyway, sorry. Um, you're not down on streaming is what you were saying. Yeah. No, I, I, I was saying I'm not down on streaming, but, you know, it, it, you do lose something. When, uh, and yes, the accessibility is a good thing, and I am glad that it exists. But on the other hand, it's it's a shame that we don't still have those sort of rental stores, and they can't exist simultaneously side by side with it. And I, that kind of makes me sad. In the same way that I'm going to be sad when local comic shops eventually yeah. go the way of the dodo. As many problems as they have, and as much as the direct market sort of strangled comics in a way. It's still, you know, something pretty amazing about being able to go someplace and talk with people and share that sort of passion without it having to be a big convention or something like that. Right. It's, I mean, I, I have never had a particular comic shop that I frequented enough. At least I thought for the people to like know me, but they put a really cool one uh, but I've always gone to comic shops. You know, it just yeah. I was more just like hang out and check stuff out. But they opened one in the the mall. Is in this is a mall in the loosest sense of the word um, in, yeah. in downtown Salem. Um, but it, there's a movie theater there. It's a very local place. But they put this comic shop in there, and the two people that run it are the nicest people. And they, even for the few times that I've actually gone in and bought something, remember me, remember my name, remember like our daughter's name. And we'll go, hey, by the way, did you see these two cool new pop vinyls we got? We remember when you were in here, you bought a couple. Are you into this? Like I put it aside for you because I wanted to show you. And I go, holy shit. Like, and I, I like that. Like, that's what I like. Oh, yeah. About 
stores like that. And Blockbuster, I felt it was the same way. It's like, oh, man, I knew that this guy was looking for, you know, the next movie from X director. I'm going to make sure because I know he comes in every Tuesday that I have that put aside so I can give it to him, you know? Yeah, same same here. Or, yeah, we had uh, one woman who uh, she would come by right after the gym all the time. And, yeah, we all knew who she was. Her name was Claire. And Claire was wonderful, and we, you know, we would talk back and forth. She used to know. She used to know about us as much as we knew about her. That's and awesome. Kind of, like she would ask, like, "Hey, how's your family doing?" or you know, stuff like that. And you know, it was nice to have that, and we, we've sort of lost that. And I, it's a shame, is all. And I, I just kind of wish that there was a way to sort of recapture that, other than you know, going on a podcast and talking about it. Not everyone can do that, unfortunately. Right, exactly. <laughs> oh man, I love this show. Um, yeah. So it's so, so it's one in the morning. Yes, it is. Oh, look <laughs> so, at that. <laughs> and, and I, we could go on and on and on. I know, but let's 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 give a final thought. Let's give one more one more blockbuster related story if you got one, and then I'll give you a chance to promote something or whatever you'd like, and then we will we will let this show go to the way of the dodo until I obviously have you on again on in some <laughs> we'll figure out a way because awesome. I, I like having you on i'm always willing to uh all right let me see let me think of, let me think of, let me think of something heartwarming maybe we here. can all, maybe we can all get on a school of movies together too that'd be great yeah. i'll talk to alice and sharon about it. i love the round table style but it's it's just awesome mm-hmm. all right so um one of my best blockbuster stories there was these two older people that used to come into the store and they would almost always end up renting. They were always in the favorites and they would always, always end up trying to rent the same thing without realizing it. And like whoever came in first would get in. The other one would be like, would come in and I started noticing this. So I started trying to encourage them to come in at the same time. And they ended up, you know, meeting, and it was a genuine meet cute in my blockbuster, and the, like the, they must have been in their sixties or seventies, and then they just started coming in together all the time, and I think they started dating, but it was just kind of a wonderful thing, and I, I, I just I look back on it and I smile just thinking about these two. That's they awesome. Just, they were so great. Do you know I met my wife at my Blockbuster? You did? Yep. Oh, that's my, fantastic. Uh, my first episode um, of this show ever was her and I telling oh. that story. Um, that's I'll how I kicked to it to off. Tomorrow. Yeah, she uh, she was a, a best friend of one of my managers, and I left work at 10 at night because I was 17, so I couldn't legally work. And yeah. she got out of work around like 9.30, so she'd come and hang out with him. And he was like, well, you know, this kid's a cool kid. You guys should go, you know, go over to Denny's or go do whatever. And I'll come meet up with you guys later. So we just started hanging out and then one thing led to another. And then I went away to college and made up some bullshit excuse. And three years later, senior year, we got back together and we've been together ever since. That's amazing. It's kind of nuts, right? Yeah. Seriously. That's great though. Yep. Yep. Blockbuster bringing people together. Yep. It's been my whole life since the year 2000. And that that's another reason, you know, like the fact that you and I, who 
we did not work at Blockbuster together and basically met verbally for the first time two weeks ago. We're able to talk for almost two hours about a shared experience. That's the whole reason I did this show is because I found every time me and my friends would get together, it would inevitably turn into conversations about Blockbuster, not because not even out of like sad nostalgia, out of good nostalgia, not like, oh, you know, this is this thing and our lives aren't great anymore. No, it's out of like, and this is why we're such good friends. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it has a bittersweetness to it. It does. If the song walk away from the Bill and Ted soundtrack. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait for Bill and Ted three. Me neither. I am so excited about that. Cool, man. Well, um, we can leave it at that high note. Um, Do you have anything you have going on or that you want to remind people of, or do you want to just point them to your, uh, your YouTube stuff, whatever you want, man. Oh, sure. Um, uh, I'm basically working on two kind of major projects. There's my personal thing, which is sequentially yours, which is deep dive into comics. Talk about, uh, we do close readings of comics, talk about comic movies, the whole nine, go to sequentially dash yours.com for that. And I've also been writing on a horror uh, YouTube show called Something Ghoulish. Just go to somethingghoulish.com. That'll bring you right to the YouTube, uh, right to the YouTube page until we get the website rolling. Uh, And they also have a podcast, which I'm not on, but is very, very good. So those those are the two things that I'm involved in these days. Okay, man. Well, again, as I thanked you on shooting the shit, and as I thanked you here, thank you so much for being on the Talkbuster podcast. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. And to everybody, thank you for making it a Talkbuster night or day or whenever you're listening. And please be kind, rewind.